0: This podcast is dedicated to equipping families with the teaching and tools they need to succeed. We hope you enjoy this episode and subscribe for more marriage building content. This message is called the healing journey of marriage. And it surprises some people to hear that God designed marriage to heal us. Uh, An oxymoron is a self-contradictory statement. Uh, And so... Uh, the healing journey of marriage sounds like an oxymoron to some people, because marriage has damaged so many people so deeply. And sometimes it may not be their marriage, but it may be their parents' marriage, or or you know someone that's uh, an environment that they grew up with in that damaged them, or it could have been a previous marriage or two or three that deeply damaged them. So to hear that marriage is a healing journey is is a shocking thing. Let me say, Karen and I began in marriage. Hurting each other, deeply damaging each other to the brink of divorce, then we healed each other. And our marriage today, we live in a healed, happy marriage because we found God's way. Miraculously and by the grace of God, we found God's way. And so I want to begin with four simple but profoundly important facts related to marriage and marriage being a healing journey. Number one is God created marriage. The government did not create marriage. Lawyers did not create marriage. Lonely Neanderthals did not create marriage. Okay. Marriage was created in Genesis chapter one by God himself, it came from God. Number two, God created marriage to bless us. Marriage was created in a place called Eden. It was a paradise and the name Eden means pleasure and delight. God made marriage to give us pleasure and delight not to hurt us. Comment number four. Rebellion to God's word caused the fall of marriage and the destruction of society. In Genesis chapter three, when God had created Adam and Eve, created marriage, Satan intruded into the garden of Eden in the form of a serpent and he began to tempt Eve with these words. Has God surely said? The first thing he did was to question the integrity of God's word. And Eve said, we can't eat that fruit because we'll die. And the devil said to Eve, you will not die. But they did die because the devil's a liar and he always lies. He comes to tell us that the word of God isn't true. And if we rebel against it, there won't be consequences. Look around, ladies and gentlemen, in America today, there are consequences to rebelling against the word of God. Marriage doesn't work today because we've thrown away the word of God. And when you throw away the word, nothing works. But when you come back, and this is statement number four, returning to God's word heals us and restores us to God's plan for marriage and for life. And this is the scripture that I ask you to turn to. Psalm 107, verse 20. He sent his word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. It is coming back to the word of God that heals us Heals our marriages, heals our families the way that God designed. So bad marriages—it's not God's fault. What's happening in our culture related to marriage—it's not God's fault. It is because we have rejected the Word of God, and returning to the Word of God will bring us healing. And so, and it's a very special scripture uh, to Karen and me in our marriage. But Karen and I were, grew up in non-Christian homes and dysfunctional. You know, there was our parents were wonderful and they did a lot of good things. But we both came out of childhood wounded and we married and, uh, and I describe sometimes trying to love each other was like two porcupines trying to get close. Is It was very painful. We both had wounds from our past and we all do. We had wounds from our past and we touched each other's wounds and that's what happens when you get married. You marry a person who is wounded and it's inevitable that we are going to touch each other's wounds and so we fought and we fought and we fought and Karen did something very very important for our marriage that changed our marriage. We, uh, fighting with me was not a good thing to do because Karen would engage me and she would begin to fight with me. Uh, Karen doesn't think as fast talking as I do. I'm a very fast talker. Uh, I think on my feet because that's what God called me to do. It takes Karen longer to process you know, thoughts and feelings than me so it wasn't a fair fight. When we fought, I mean, I could just drill her with words and overwhelm her and she would go off crying and I, I thought I won. I didn't ever win any of those kinds of fights. But one day Karen did something very smart and she stopped fighting with me and she got along with God and said to the Lord, this is not about Jimmy, you heal me. The best thing ever happened with our marriage. And I've never known a day in our marriage in 43 years that Karen has not woken up and read God's Word. And when I say read God's Word, I'm talking about hours. Karen is in the Word of God every single morning. And so she spends time in the Word of God. Well, the Word of God healed Karen. Psalm one hundred seven twenty says, "God sent His Word to heal them and deliver them from their destructions." As Karen began to get healed, it just highlighted how sick I was, and ultimately, it's what changed me. We had a huge fight. Uh, I, the Lord broke through my heart. I began to see, you know, how bad I had been, and that began the the healing journey of our marriage. And so. I want to begin with a premise in this message, and this is a very important premise in this message. We seek marriage for many reasons, but one of the most important is that we are all incomplete and unhealed, and we're looking for a spouse to fix that. Why do we choose the spouse that we choose? It's because we're incomplete and unhealed, and we're looking for a spouse to change that. Karen and I, dated, I think, like most people date. Um, we fell in love, we were, uh, I met Karen uh, when we were sophomores at Tascosa High School. And um, we were in sophomore biology class together and I thought that she was very beautiful. And I asked her out in May of that year, I asked her out to a Three Dog Night concert. <laughs> How many of you remember Three Dog Night? Raise your hands and encourage me. Yeah, it's not the younger people that raise their hand, it's the mature people like me. But we went to a 3 ognite night concert and we loved each other and so we dated for a while. And, but as soon as I secured the relationship with Karen, I began to take her for granted. And I think that's very common. And we began to fight. I call it the performance uh, phase of the relationship. We were performing for each other and putting our best foot forward. But as soon as we had secured each other, that's when we began to act normal, which for me was not good. And we began to fight like cats and dogs. Which led us to you know, the brink of divorce. Now, I've written a new book, and our book is called Strengths Based Marriage. And um, the Strength Finders, for those of you who are in business, Strength Finders is the number one business book uh, in the world. 12 million people have taken the Clifton Strength Finders assessment. And the Clifton Strength Finders, there are 34 strengths, uh, and we all have certain strengths and weaknesses. Uh, but there are 34 strengths. These are really, really brilliantly done. And Alan, my co-author, he is, he's an expert. And so I wrote it from the marriage perspective. He wrote it from the strength perspective. But there are 34 strengths. And so all of us have certain strengths and certain weaknesses. So Alan uh, did, tested Karen and me. And uh, so my number one strength is called Achiever. An achiever just means get it done. I wake up in the morning, I'm going to get it done. I'm an achiever. My number 34 strength is empathy. Empathy means just feeling. Feeling other people's pain and being in touch with the emotions around you. Okay, So I'm number one achiever, number 34 empathy. Karen is number one empathy and number 34 achiever. We are exact opposites. Alan, Alan said... I don't know that I've ever tested two people who are more opposite than you and Karen. You're opposite. I've, I've known it for many years. You're opposite. So, so I'm an achiever. I wake up, I get it done, Karen is empathy. She feels, Karen lives, and I feel She's very healthy by the way. I'm not talking, this isn't a bad thing, it's a good thing. But Karen feels, okay? I don't feel, I mean, I guess I feel things, you know, but, but an example of how I don't feel is sometimes I'll have a toothache. Um, And my teeth start hurting. Well, when my teeth start hurting, I know I have a headache. And so when my teeth start hurting, I'll think to myself, I better have a headache. And I'll think about it for a minute or two, and I realize I have a terrible headache and I've had it for several days. And people say, say, well, you just don't feel headaches. I don't feel like other people, I just don't. Why, I don't know. I just don't feel. But my wife feels for me. She, She lives in a constant feeling. When I'm talking to Karen on the phone, when she's in the car, I'm getting a rundown on everybody in her life that she's passing. Every bump in the road, all the traffic, all the people who pull in front of her, and sometimes when we're talking on the phone when she's driving, I just have to say, focus, focus. I just want to talk about what we're having for supper. I don't want to hear about everybody on the road. Okay. We were eating dinner one night. We were eating at a restaurant, and we had a bad waitress. She was just a bad waitress. And uh, she's slow. We couldn't find her. She got the order wrong, all that kind of stuff. And so I realized about halfway through dinner that Karen was focused on that waitress. And I knew what was about to happen. I've lived with a sister many years. I knew it was about to happen. And I said, "Leave it alone." And she said, "No, there's something wrong with that waitress. I'm going to find out what it is." I said, "Leave it alone. We're we're going to eat and go. We're not here to fix anybody tonight. Okay. We're just going to eat and leave. Okay." and we will feel like we've achieved something. <laughs> it wasn't two seconds, that waitress was over, and Karen had all of her personal history and ministered to her. And, it, it, you know, and and when it was over, I just thought, well, that was real touching, you know, that was just, that was great. But, it, but her emotions make me nervous. <laughs> to this day, they just make me nervous, because you know, I just don't feel, but, so we're different. We're different. Well, here's what happened early in our marriage. I would just say, you're weird. What's wrong with you? You feel too much. You're not supposed to feel everything, you know? And I would just shame her and and she did the same with me. We just rejected each other. And when we were hurting each other, that's what we did. And then as our marriage matured, I remember the the conversation that we had one day and Karen said to me, she said, "Uh, Jimmy, I am sorry. I am so sorry for how I feel. I know it bothers you. I know that you, you think that I feel too much. And I'm going to try, I'm going to try not to. I'm sorry. And, and here's what I said to Karen. And I meant it from the bottom of my heart. Karen, I'm, I need someone like you in my life. Please don't stop feeling. See, in marriage, there are rejected differences. There are tolerated differences. And there are celebrated differences. The healing takes place when you start celebrating your differences. Karen and I are a great team. We we really are a great team. As a family unit, what I do really well, Karen doesn't care much about. What Karen does really well, I don't care that much about. We do some things together, obviously, and we enjoy being together, but we make such a good team. See, a good team is not made up of people who do the same things. There's only one quarterback. You know, There's there's only one person who plays each position, but you have to have all the positions to make a team. I don't need someone like me. I need someone different, but the problem is, we're looking for someone who is our compatible opposite when we're dating, as soon as we get them, we begin to shame them and reject them because they're not like us. Because we don't understand what God is doing. In my case, emotions. Karen is supplying in my life what's lacking. So when Karen feels, After 43 years of marriage, when Karen feels today, I don't shame her, reject her, I listen to it. In fact, I go to Karen sometimes and say, tell me how I'm feeling. And I don't know. I'll say, how am I feeling about this? And Karen will say, well, you're feeling this. I'll think, really? Yeah. Think about it for a little while. i think, that's what I'm feeling. She's an expert feeler. She's just a great feeler. Jimmy Evans, you want to get it done, I'm your guy. I'm an achiever, I'm going to get it done. I'll kill some people in the meanwhile, but i get it done. <laughs> Thank God for Karen. She's kept me out of so much trouble. You are wired to find your opposite. Celebrate it, don't reject it. Hi, I'm Jimmy Evans. This is my co-author, Alan Kelsey, and we have written the book, Strengths-Based Marriage we want to kind of go more in depth on these teachings to help you. And the the chapter that I chose is The Secret of Successful Communication. Mm. And in The Secret of Successful Communication, Alan, the thing I like about my part in the chapter, and you wrote a phenomenal uh, part in the chapter related to strengths, mm. but uh, the most important need of a man is the need for respect. And the most important need of a woman is the need for security. I know that when a woman feels secure, she's she's at ease. She she feels happy. When a man is respected, he, he's happy. If you take security away from a woman and honor away from a man, you can give them just about anything else. They're not happy. Wow. Okay? So a sacrificial, sensitive man makes his wife feel secure. And by sacrificial and sensitive, it means I'm connected. and And no one else is more important than you. Yeah. And, and I'll sacrifice. I'll say no to work. I'll say no to friends to say yes to you. And so when a man is communicating with his wife, the words don't matter if mm. you're not speaking her language of security. Ah. You can say anything you want to say. And so early in our marriage, I was golfed all the time, worked all the time. My heart was not at home. And Karen would come and talk to me, and she was fishing for my heart. You know, huh. She was trying to get me to reconnect to her, the kids, just the well-being of the home, and I saw her as being a nag, unhappy, just and just being disrespectful. yeah, so I completely rejected that. Well, we spent years in our marriage frustrated until I learned what I said wasn't the issue is I was not making her feel secure that's why I couldn't communicate with her. Mm. In other words, you could be a masterful communicator, but if you're an idiot, it doesn't matter. (laughs) I was was not a masterful communicator, but I was an idiot. (laughs) So until I realized that when I'm talking with Karen, regardless of what the issue is, I have to encrypt my words with a spirit, with an attitude that says you come first. So that had to be an intentional action. I mean, you had to just decide you were going to do that. Well, but it's part of realizing the difference in your spouse. See, Mm. our whole book is about differences. That's right. And strengths. So we're different by God's design. That's what our book is about, is we're different by God's design, and it's respecting that difference Mm. that turns a dangerous Difference into a dynamic difference. That's right. I'll talk about your part of the chapter.
1: Well, you know, you did such a great job setting up the front half of the chapter, talking about these two mega needs, and I picked up on this this idea of what you say and how you say it. And I felt like, from a strengths perspective, some of the greatest value we can bring is to identify these two very natural things that we do as people, whether we're even aware of it or not. And one of them is to kind of play down the strong parts of who we are. Because we get told, you know, that's too sharp. You need to just soften that a little bit for the sake of everybody else. But you know very well as an ice skater, if you round off the sharp edge of the blade on your ice skates, you're useless. You're gonna fall all sure. over the place. You're gonna end up with a you know, wet behind. But I mean, you put a clean, sharp edge on the blade of that on that skate, and people can do miraculous things on right. a slippery surface that you ought never to be able to do. They can leap off the ice. They can land on one leg. They can spin and twirl. These things shouldn't be able to happen. But it's because there's an edge there. But the world says your edge is scary. You need to shave it off. And so we, 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 sh- we shrink back. We minimize our strengths. And that's one of the tendencies that we have that we do. And I think it's bad for us. It's bad for our marriages. Uh, and the other idea that I talk about in, our, in the book is that we tend to project our strengths. Now, projecting our strengths is probably worse than minimizing. Minimizing hurts me, projecting hurts you. And I basically say that you're not okay until you see the world the way I see so it. That's very common. And uh, boy, we just do that to each other all the time. We do it to our kids. We do it to our coworkers. We certainly do it to our spouse. And I just wanted to point those two two things out from a strengths perspective to help folks understand. Man, I'm doing
0: this and I don't even know I'm doing it. Well, I believe you're getting the best of Alan Kelsey and Jimmy Evans in this book, Strengths-Based Marriage, along with all of the expertise of the Clifton Strengths Finder to help you to understand your strengths, your spouse's strengths, and to have a stronger marriage. Thank you for joining us. God bless you.
1: We hope you've enjoyed today's podcast, and we want to let you know about another marriage podcast with Dave and Ashley Willis called Naked Marriage, where they talk about real and raw marriage topics like sex, communication, openness, and more in a fun, lighthearted atmosphere. Search for Naked Marriage with Dave and Ashley Willis in iTunes and start listening today.